you all very much. If you have your Bibles, if you can please turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. How many of you all have to charge your phones every day? Quite a few hands, okay? And what happens if you don't do it? Yeah. Well, that right there is a good illustration of what's happening to some people in here right now. And the reason is because it's not just our phones that have to be charged up every single day, but it's also our spirits, isn't it? I mean, you know, you can talk about physically, if we don't eat every day, if we don't sleep right every day, we start getting weak. We start getting sick. And if we really don't eat for a long period of time, then you'll die. And it's the same thing spiritually. Spiritually, if we're not eating every single day, we're going to start getting weak. And we're going to start getting carnal. And after that, our spirit, just like our phones, just like our bodies, will die. And that's what's happened in a large crowd like this to possibly some people here. Or just like a phone where your signal is kind of weak or your battery just shows it has very little. That's where you're at right now. Our culture, TV, movies, music, etc. I mean, it's so messed up. It's so anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christian, anti-Jewish, that it is making us, whoever are weak, conform to this world. And you're looking very much like the world and very much different than what you used to be in love with Jesus. Now, why is this world, why is this happening? Well, as we've heard so many times, we live in a fallen world. And a world that's falling further and further away from God, a world that's falling away from biblical values, and more looking like the Bible says, it'll look and have the spirit of Antichrist. As we get closer to the rapture, as we get closer to that seven-year period of time, this spirit of Antichrist seems to be getting stronger and stronger. And unfortunately, it's latching on to those who aren't charged up. The good news. The good news is in the midst of this falling away, in the midst of this apostasy, we can have revival. Did you hear me? In the midst of all of this, we can have revival, but I don't want to talk about the general. I want to talk about the individual. We can have revival individually, and that's where it starts. Before we can talk about our country, before we can talk about our city, before we can say, hey, we're going to see a great awakening in our country or in our city, it's got to start here. It's got to start in our families. It's got to start with you having revival at work, at school, and being the change agent. The Bible says, Jesus says, you are to be salt and delay the decay in the world. You are to be light and show the way to this world that's in darkness. It starts with us. I want to preach a message today called, either we will have revival or else we will apostatize. It's revival or it's apostasy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. 1 through 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their own conscience 
seared with a hot iron. You see, the Bible in this scripture, it predicts in the latter days, and I believe we are in that generation, some will depart from the faith. Some who had the faith, who were on fire, will no longer be on fire, and some will actually be totally away from the faith. Apostasy. Let's look at the definition of apostasy. It's an act of refusing to continue to follow, obey, or recognize your faith. It's an abandonment or a defection of a previous loyalty or an embracing of an opinion contrary to what you believed before. Apostasy. I thought about Romans 125. It says, exchanging the truth of God. You had the truth of God and you exchanged it for now a lie. You know, unfortunately, today's generation is seeing a great departure of the faith. It had stability. Our country had stability of Christian faith in God we trust for a long, long time. But I saw a Gallup poll, and part of the inspiration for this was this Gallup poll, and also because of what we see. This Gallup poll came out April 18th, 2019, very recently. Listen. Atheism is now the biggest religion in the United States. First time ever. It's always been Catholicism has been number one. Evangelicals, us, number two. And atheism way down there. But that's changing now. Now, Catholicism, and it's still neck and neck with Catholicism, 23%. Evangelicals, 22.5%. So neck and neck. But atheism is now over 23%. Not 24 yet, but over 23%. There is a term now. Have you heard the term called nuns? Nuns. N-O-N-E-S. That when they ask you, what is your religious affiliation? Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, or none. And now, go ahead and put picture number one. Now, you are starting to see the rise of the nuns. This no religion, this nuns, has doubled since 2000. Did you guys hear me? This thing is accelerating like it never has been. In fact, in the last three decades, since 1990, is 1991 a long time ago? It really isn't. It's not a long time ago. But since 1991, this nuns has increased by 266%. Only half, 50% of America, now even go to church. It's the lowest number ever. And that's down from 70% in just 1999. Older Americans are far, more, are far more likely than younger Americans to go to church. Just 42% of millennials are members of a church. 20 years ago, 62% of Generation X belonged to a church. And now, even those who claim to be part of a church and religious, even them going to church has dropped off by 9%. You know, our God, our God-designed nature of 
wanting religion, wanting to be spiritual, wanting to be connected, is now being fulfilled with non-spiritual junk. Picture two-way. The Christian of the future will be a mystic, or he, or he will not exist at all, is what this guy is saying. And that's happening. More and more people are saying, I don't want traditional Christianity. I don't want traditional organized. I don't want to have church. I still want to be spiritual, but I want mysticism. I want Eastern religion. I want meditation. In fact, go ahead and put picture 2B. That right there is exploding. Yoga, meditation, exploding. And now, you know, you try to teach our kids in school about Jesus. Try to teach them about the Bible. You get shut down. But you start teaching Buddhism, meditation, and it's happening everywhere. Go ahead and show picture 3A. It's called mindfulness. It's happening in our schools now. So it's no longer called Buddhism, or they don't even want to say meditation. They call it, who would not want to have mindfulness? But under the auspices of a different name, Buddhism is now getting into our public schools, 3B. So here you have, help us bring mindfulness into our public schools. And that's an actual, what's going on in our schools. You can show the other one as well. Where our, our kids now, from a very young age, are being exposed to this junk. Satanism is growing significantly as well in the U.S. All of this is leading to what the Bible says will be not atheism in the Great Tribulation, but the Great Horror. If you've ever read Revelation chapter 17, it says there's going to be a church in the world. And all of the churches that didn't, people that didn't make it to the rapture, are all going to be part of this religious system. And it's not going to be following Jesus. That's not going to be John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's going to be, no, 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 no. There are many ways to heaven. Stop it with that narrow-mindedness of Christianity. There are many ways. Let's all sing kumbaya and get together, including that. Listen, though in many other parts of the world, the church is having wonderful, powerful revival. In America, and I hate to say this, the more I read, the church is in decline, and we are becoming like post-Christian Europe. Europe used to be on fire. How did the United States get started? It got started by evangelicals, by Christians, by missionaries coming from Europe to the United States. And yet, if you go to Europe now, if you start looking into it, Many of the churches are now dead. There's only babies and real old people, or now they're moths. And the United States needs a revival. Like Rome imploded from within due to the loss of traditional values and moral decay, the same is now starting to happen right before our very eyes here in America. Perhaps you've heard the saying, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Anybody ever heard that? The world is going to hell in the handbasket. Very popular saying. Where did that saying come from? Well, Marcus Tullius Cicero. 
these, shouted these famous words to the Roman Senate in the first century before Christ to decry, to decry the deterioration of civilized society there in Rome. He says, all the times, he lamented, all the standards. Cicero had good reason to beat his breast about the times and the standards. He was living in the final decades of the Roman Republic. And as it descended into civil war, civil war, where there were factions and they were tearing each other apart, and the dictatorship of Julius Caesar's Roman Empire. Well, today, over 2,000 years later, I would sit, submit to you, our world and even America is going to hell still in a handbasket. The evidence is all around us. Our nation, I am amazed at how divided it is. You just turn on the TV and you want to turn it off. You turn on the news and you want to turn off. You turn on the internet. If you look at anything on the news, it's so divided. Patrick Henry, one of the founding fathers of America, and he's more, he's best known for give me liberty or give me death. He said, picture number four, united we stand and divided we fall. Let us not split into factions which must destroy the union upon which our existence hangs. Leave it on there. So here the Federalist Papers are saying, remember this. United we stand and divided we will fall. Let us not split into factions, which is exactly what we see going on right now. Besides apostasy, you can take it off now. American is experiencing violence like never before. I mean, it's almost like every week you hear of a school shooting. Abortion and same-sex marriage are legal. Shacking up and divorce rates are booming. Our nation's youth are replacing the need for God in their lives for other things like social justice, climate change. Is there not a cause? Unlike David, where he saw, there is a cause. I see this uncircumcised Philistine. I see what he's saying. Is there not a cause? And he gets up and he fights for God. Yet our youth today, we need a revival. We need awakening because it's not doing that. Matthew 24, 12. And because lawlessness and sin will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And I would submit to you, that verse right there is true in a large crowd like this in some of you. When you think about the Bible, and it says, how will it be in the last days? Jesus, in the book of Revelation, he says, church of Laodicea, it'll be lukewarm. Oh, they're not bad. They're still good people. And God says, it's lukewarm. I don't want this. Makes me sick. How about the church of Ephesus? You have left your first love. You're no longer having revival. You've gone backwards. How about the church of Sardis? You have a name that's alive, but yet you're dead in your sin. How about Jesus' warning? How will it be in the last days? It'll be even Christians, where they will have five virgins of the ten and five were careless in their walk with God. Five were not 
maintaining their relationship with God. And so because of that, they weren't ready. And then Jesus said something in Luke 18.8, one of the scariest verses, I think, in all the Bible. He says, and when I return to the earth, will I really find faith on the earth? He's saying, he's looking ahead 2,000 years, and he's saying, this is how I see it's going to be with a lot of people that are not engaged, are not charged up. And then, because of that, that text says they will be living in hypocrisy. Their conscience seared with a hot iron. In other words, because of that, you will be living in hypocrisy, lies, and you'll be doing things you thought you would never do. I'll never cross this line, and you've crossed it. Okay, but I'll never cross this line. And you cross it, and you cross it, and you cross it, and you go, how could I have been doing this? And our country, because of that, is becoming immoral. I think about another founding father, the second president of the United States, John Adams, picture number five. He says in 1851, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. What's happening to our country? Our country isn't run by a government like, let's say, in Russia, China, or someplace like that. We are three branches of government. But the only way this works is if we are a moral people, if we believe in God and our basis of our lives is the Bible, and we have the Spirit of God in us. Otherwise, the heck with the Constitution. It's outdated. And everything else becomes lawless. Just like Rome's end. At the end of Rome, you know what they did? They focused on entertainment. Get the Roman games going. Pass out more money. Kill more Christians. Oh, yeah. And so while everything was falling apart, they were having a good time at the Roman games. Today, I look at our country and sports. Church, who has time for church? In fact, you know what we ought to do? We ought to have, you can take it off, we ought to have church on Saturday night. And that way, all day Sunday for, no, for NFL, for sports, for entertainment. Hey, did you notice that new film? I mean, it just was the blockbuster and made over a billion dollars. What's it called, Throne or what? Whatever it's called, Okay. Right now, entertainment. Hey, listen, did you notice? I mean, they named that baby what in England? Well, I know that, but Archie, I know that, sister. What I'm trying to say is people know about that stuff, but did they read their Bibles today? 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of what? Of themselves. They'll be lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. If that's not a good indication of what we are today, I don't know what is. 
It's obvious we are living in the modern equivalent of the fall of the Roman Empire. If we don't have an awakening, if we don't have a revival, and that's what we're praying for. But that has to start with us. That moves me to my second point. What is the antidote for all this apostasy in our nation? It's for revival in us individually. See, we can't control what everybody else is going to do. I'm going to tell you something. The problem is not the politicians. The problem is the church, the Christian. The problem is if we're taking care and having revival in our home, and then another family is having revival in their home, and then another family, and the kids see that we really are on fire and that we really are living Jesus, loving Jesus, then that starts, hey, I know how it is over there, but in my home, it's real, man. And then you're having revival at work, and then you're having revival, and that's how revival happens. You can't, it's that person, you know, our nation's on, it's us. I got to tell you, I think the problem, the politicians, it's the church abdicating its, Jesus said, go and be salt to this world. Go and be light to this world. Why is there so much darkness? Where's the light? Where's the people? Where are the people who are making a stand or who are witnessing and who are standing for righteousness? Where are the people? Where are the young people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Where are the people like Daniel? Where are the people like young Timothy? Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's where it starts. It's not blaming the nation. It's not blaming Trump. It's not blaming this or blaming that. It's not blaming Republicans versus Democrats. No. It's as for me and my house, we're going to be part of the solution. We got a problem, but we're going to be part of the solution. As for me and my family, as for me and my job, as for me and my school, as for me and my church. And that's where it starts. But first, what we need is to wake up. I read a story in the last two weeks that was incredible. In the Middle East, there was a lady that got into a wreck. And she was 27 years old had her four-year-old son with her, and got into an automobile accident, hit her head, hurt pretty badly, and has been in a coma, go ahead and put the picture, for almost 30 years. The Emirati woman wakes up from a coma after almost 30 years. Wow. That awesome? Can I tell you something? There are some people in here who have been in a coma for a long time. You're existing, you're coming to church, but spiritually, you're in a coma. You need revival. You need to wake up. Only then, after we wake up, only after we have revival, can we be salt and light. We can't do it in our own power. Doesn't work. Has to be the spirit of, this, listen, if we're not born again of the spirit of God, intellectually, it's not enough. Your willpower is not enough. It's got to be God's spirit that wakes us up. Secondly, 
can take it off. We need to continue being revived daily, just like this phone, just like in the Old Testament, the manna, that they had to be able to eat it daily every day. We have to be spiritually, spiritually charged every single day by the Holy Spirit. Got to have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said right before he left, it's better, it's to your advantage that I go away. What do you mean, Jesus? We finally get it. We finally have touched you. We finally have eaten with you. We've been with you almost six weeks. What do you mean it's better? Because when I go, the Holy Spirit will be sent to you. No longer to live in temples, but to live in the temple of your body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He will live in you. He'll energize you and give you the power to say no. The power to live victoriously. The power to not be conformed to this world, but actually be transformed. Actually, instead of them influencing you, you're influencing them. The power to witness. But this is not going to happen unless we consecrate ourselves. Unless, the Bible says, we are justified by the blood of Jesus. When we get to heaven, the only reason that I'm going to stand before God with confidence is not going to be because of me. I'm going to stand because of the blood of Jesus. And that's what makes me righteous. However, it is my responsibility, the, the, not the justification, but the sanctification, to set myself apart from that junk. See, that's our responsibility. We all say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's not going to come to a vessel that's dirty. The Holy Spirit's not going to come to a vessel that's looking at that junk. The Holy Spirit's not going to come to a person that's actually in a toxic relationship with toxic people. Yes, we got to witness to them, but why are you doing those things with them? Next, we got to, yes, but pastor has been saying we got to pray, and I agree with that. But I don't know how many people tell me, I pray, Ernie, I just don't read my Bible. Listen, it's both. It's being close to Jesus, talking to him every day, praying, meditating, praying. But if you're not reading the Bible, I'm going to tell you something, you will apostatize. If you're not reading the Bible, Jesus is the word of God, then he's the potter, you're the clay, those defects aren't going to be taken out of you. You are not going to go through the sanctification process unless you're letting the word of God change you every day. And don't just read the blessing parts of the Bible. <laughs> oh, I like songs, people tell me. I don't like that part of the Bible because it's kind of rough. Well, we got to read all the Bible. And that's the problem with many churches. Many churches now, they don't preach parts of the Bible. Why? Because the people who are giving will stop going. William Booth, who made many years ago the Salvation Army, Powerful, powerful men of God. If you want to read something good, about, something good about what Christians were like, read about William Booth. He said his fear of the future, the chief danger will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, and heaven without hell. You see? In many churches, you won't hear 
preaching like this. You won't hear preaching like what Pastor Stevens and Pastor Glenn do because many churches will say, thank you, but no thank you. We want to hear the blessing. We want to hear what we like to hear, just like 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. To fables. In other words, just like, unfortunately, in many mega churches today. Why are they mega? Because they don't preach like Jesus did. They don't say, so why don't you bring me your husband? I don't have a husband. That's right, you've had five, and the one you're living with right now is not your husband. Whoa, that's judgmental, man. Don't judge me, man. That was Jesus. Fables like Joel Osteen, where he says, two words you will not hear in my church. The word hell and the word sin. Really? Jesus preaches more about hell than anybody. So if Jesus did it, shouldn't we? I mean, his book, motivational, very good. You can have your best life now. Isn't that neat? Isn't that great? I used to, many times in my corporate meetings, go to large sales meetings where we would pay $75,000 for a motivational speaker to be able to get us rah, rah, rah. We'd leave that meeting going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, to go more, make more sales or whatever. But spiritually, it didn't touch me. It didn't change me. It didn't challenge me. And that's what a lot of churches are, rah, rah, rah. There is no hell. Picture number seven. Here you have the Pope declares, there is no hell. It's many who are saying the same thing. Many who are saying, hey, it's grace. We are saved by grace. Picture number 10. There's even a church in town that says, no matter what you're doing, no matter when you're doing it, no matter how many times you're doing it, God is still on your side. That's a lie. It's not true. Second, Second Thessalonians 2.12. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's the Bible. And yet, where will you hear that kind of preaching now? In fact, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people mad at me just for saying this. You have now pastors, female pastors, who, well, that's another story, but where they're, where they're all in line and they are pushing for abortion. Picture number eight. We are pro-faith. We are pro-family. And we are pro-choice. How about the sanctity of life? How about what God says? How about who's going to be supporting that baby? We have a move now to what's going on as ecumenicism. Ecumenicism. Let us all just get together and sing kumbaya. Let's all of the churches get together. Picture number 9A. That is just one other one first. That was 9C. 
So that's the first one, where you have all of the world's religious leaders. Next one. Go ahead, brother. Next one. And then you have prayer for, I mean, we're all the same, they're saying. In that story, hey, everything in the past is gone, and we all believe the same. Next one. What's happening? Next one. What's happening is we are heading towards that. This is the World Council of Religious Leaders and the World Alliance of Religions, Interfaith Council. All of those things are coming together, as the Bible says, would be happening, where it's an apostatizing from the Word of God, and it's heading quickly to what the Bible says in the Great Tribulation. Next one. Why is that? We can all coexist right now. The problem is those Christians where they say it's only Jesus. No, it's not. It's not only Jesus. It's all of those religions. We can all coexist. And yet that's not what the Bible says. Let me give you two illustrations of what I believe real Christianity is. First, in nature, and secondly, made by man. In nature, I think one of the illustrations of a real Christian is a salmon fish. All of the rest of the fish and everything else is going down. And you have this. Go ahead and put the first picture. You have this salmon, and it's going up. It's going up against from the culture, against the, 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 the stream, against the, 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 the other fish, against even its own muscles. It's going up. Next picture. And God, I believe, put that in there for me and you. Say, be a salmon fish. Don't be like all the rest of them. Don't be going down. Even a dead fish can go downstream. You are called to go upstream. You are called to say, no, I am going to stand for righteousness. This is wrong. I'm going to stand for God. Be a salmon fish. I'll give you the next one. We're now in a mall, okay? Be it Cielo Vista Mall, some big mall. And we are now on the third floor. And we want to go, people are going down to the first floor. So what do they do? They get on that escalator. They rest. They're looking and looking and looking. It's great. It's comfortable. You are people watching. You're going whatever. Let me tell you, that's not Christianity. You know what Christianity is? Christianity is the escalator is going down and you are walking up it. You are having to every single day, every single step, walk up that. And if you don't go up, you lose ground. If you aren't having revival and progressing, you are degressing. That's Christianity. I know it doesn't sound appetizing. I know it doesn't sound what our flesh wants, but that's the truth. The Bible says, fight the good fight. Oh, Ernie, I think Christianity is cool. I'm not having to fight at all. I mean, I'm, I'm kicking back. I'm enjoying life. Everything is great. Are you going down that escalator? Are you just not even having to fight? Is the devil leaving you alone? It's because you're on the wrong trajectory. You need to get on the other escalator that's going down, and you're saying, God, I have a different goal. I'm like that salmon fish, and I want to go up, God. So let me close. 
Revival or else? Apostasy. Which is it for you? Which is it for you? Is it going to be revival? Or is it going to be apostasy? Because I'm going to tell you something. It's either one or the other. This world is like losing its middle ground. Either you're going to be on fire for God and have revival in your heart, or you're going to start going backwards on that escalator. And you're not going to make it. And you will become like this world. This church world today, it's like this picture here. It's asleep. The church picture is asleep. Jesus is coming, and the church needs to wake up. The church needs to be revived. And I thank God for our church. For the most part, many of us are awake. Many of us. But if there's even one person in here right now that the Holy Spirit can wake you up and show you what this world is becoming and you not to be a part of that. It's either going to be revival or apostasy. It's either going to be you're going to be progressing up that escalator or, you know what, I'm tired. I'm just going to kick back a little bit. And you kick back a little bit, you've already lost some steps. And whatever you are progressing, that's the way it is. Listen, it's not rocket scientists. I mean, the same thing with your body. If you're not going to the gym and exercising and everything you've done for the last six months, if you stop for two weeks, what's going to happen? It's amazing. You can do things for six weeks, six months. But if you stop for two weeks, immediately you lose some of the gains you had. What makes us think it's not the same thing spiritually? Revival or else it's apostasy. It's your choice. But let me say this. If it's going to be revival, it's not going to happen by accident. You have to surrender your will to Jesus. You have to not only make him your savior, but you have to say, Lord, I'm going to make you my Lord every day. Every day. I'm going to, even though I don't feel like it, even though my friends and so on are not doing it, I surrender God. You have to daily and consciously maintain your relationship, not just with Jesus, but with his word every day. And besides reading and meditating and obeying God's word on your own daily, you'll need a support group. This world is making it to where you need a support group. I don't need church. It's not true. It's not true. I see so many people now who say, I don't need church and aren't coming to church. And they do fine for a month. But within a period of time, they're not even going to any church now. They're not even reading their Bibles now. Why? Because the Bible says very clearly, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. If anybody is by themselves, just like a predator, looks for that sheep, looks for that animal by itself or it's sick, and goes after that one, that's what the devil is doing to Lone Ranger Christians. You need a support group. You need, you need a strong church, strong pastor like Pastor Stevens that will preach the word and will help you and give you good advice. If it's not revival, it's automatically going to be apostasy. You guys hear me? If you aren't contending for the faith, as the book of Jude says, contend earnestly for the faith. If you aren't doing that, automatically like that escalator, you're going to start going down. And after a while, you're not on that one anymore. You're on this one going, life is pretty good. See, I don't need church anymore. I'm actually doing good. It feels comfortable. 
I'm actually, how you doing? Best ever. In the book of Psalms, Asaph, he was going up the escalator, spiritually speaking. He's struggling, and he sees these people. And he says, wait a minute here. They don't have my problems. I'm over here trying to do the right thing, trying to serve God, struggling. And I see that they, they're going down. They're enjoying it. And the Bible says, Asaph says, my feet almost stumbled. I almost fell. I almost backslid. But then I went into the house of the Lord, and God showed me, big dummy, yeah, there's enjoying life, but look where it's going. And that's the key, you all. The key is this life is not our home. The key is we are fighting the good fight. We are contending for revival every single day so we don't apostatize. Why? Because he deserves it and because heaven is our home. It's not easy. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done personally is to be able to say, yes, Lord, shut up and shut up to myself, and I'm going to go up. Oh, but I'm tired right now. Keep on going up. Keep on progressing. It's not for the faint of heart. It's for people who say, God, give me your Holy Spirit. Revive me. Fill me, God. Because, God, I don't want to be like the world and I don't want to go to hell, God, and I want to be able to be salt to my family. I want to be light to my family. I want to be salt and light at work. I see how this world is going to hell in a handbasket. And God, I want to make a difference. I want to be a change agent, Lord. Help me, God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And God says, that's what I've been waiting for. It's our choice. I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed in the presence of God, please. Revival, or else apostasy. God sees you right now. He loves you. He's the one that sent his son to die on the cross for you. He knows that it's tough. He knows what you're going through. But he's saying, I want to help you, but you've got to make me your Lord and your Savior. You've got to surrender and say, God, I need you, Lord. I don't want to be this way anymore, God. I recognize I'm part of the problem. I recognize what I'm doing is wrong, God, and I want to be saved, Lord. I don't want to go to hell, and I see how messed up this world is, God, and I see that you're about to come back. And God, I want to be saved. If that's you, and you want God to forgive you, you want God to fill you with his Holy Spirit and you want to make sure heaven is your home and start helping your family and others to be able to change as well. I want you to raise your hand to God. Say, God, that's me. God, save me, God. I'm a sinner, Lord. I'm a sinner, God. And I know that I have right now, I'm in a coma. God, I know that my life is not where it needs to be. Revive me, God. Wake me up, Lord. And I promise, Lord, to commit my life to you for the rest of my life. If that's you right now, you want to be saved. You want God to save you. I want you to raise your hand high to God. Lift it up. Lift it up. I want to pray for you. Lift up your hand high. Uh, yes, thank you for your honesty. 
Yes, thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else who will join these honest people? Say, God, that's me, God. That's me, God. God, I need to be revived, Lord. I need revival because I'm dead right now, God. I'm the way I'm living and what I'm doing, God, is not right. And I want to be saved. Save me, Lord. If that's you, join these honest people. Anybody else? Raise up your hand to God. Say, God, that's me. Save me, Lord. Yes, I see that honest person. Anybody else? God, save me. Yes, I see that honest person. Anybody else? Anybody else? God is moving. God is moving. I know that God gave me this message. And if it's for you, let God touch you. Please, raise up your hand to God. Say, God, that's me, God. Save me now, Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. Now, I'm going to turn it over for those who have left God. You've known God. But you can honestly say, just like that lady that was in a coma, that right now you are in a coma spiritually. You're not where you used to be. You can be honest. Jesus said, how will it be in the last days? It'll be like the church of Laodicea. They'll be lukewarm. It'll be like the church of Ephesus. They've left their first love. It'll be like the church of Sardis. You have a name that's alive. People know you as a Christian, and yet you're doing things you shouldn't be doing. You're backslidden. The Bible says in Jeremiah that God is married to the backslider. He loves you. Please, give your life back to Christ before it's too late. If that's you, raise up your hand to God. Say, God, save me, God. Thank you that you love me and that you're married to the backslider. I'm right now away from you. I've drifted, God. I have drifted. I have apostatized. God, I have gone backwards. And I'm honest enough to admit it, and I want to change, God. And I'm ready, God, to make the decisions that I need to make. No more games. Raise up your hand to God, to your Lord. Yes, thank you for that honesty. Anybody else? Anybody else? I know there's other people. Come on. Come on. Let God touch you. Let God heal you. Let God take you out of this coma and make you alive once again. Raise your hand to God. Say, God, that's me. That's me, God. God, I see it. I see what's going on in this world. It's so messed up. And God, they say there's no, not a hell. I know there's a hell. The things that they're doing, I know it's wrong, God. And I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of you, Lord. I want to be a part of revival, Lord. And I need revival in me. Raise up your hand to God and join these honest people. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. For those who have raised their hands, come. I want to pray for you. Come, ma'am. Come, sir. Come on. Come on. Come on. I need somebody to pray for Jose right here. Ray? Anybody else? Come on. Come on. You can just pray with her there, sister, if you want. Just pray with her there. Anybody else? All right, I want every head bowed and every eye closed in the presence of God. My brothers, my sisters, either we will have revival in our hearts or we will apostatize or we will drift. This world is becoming more and more deceptive, more and more like the spirit of Antichrist. And if you aren't on fire for God, 
I'm not talking about being superficial. I'm not talking about being lukewarm. I'm talking if you aren't on fire for God, then you will go backwards. You're not going to be progressing. And you will become like the world. You will be conformed to the world. And you will start doing things like the world. I'm going to open up this altar right now. You come right now and you say, Lord, forgive me. And God, I make you my Lord. And I ask for revival. And I'm going to keep revival in my heart. In Jesus' name. Come. I'd like everybody standing. Come and speak to your Lord. In Jesus' name. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, my God. I pray for a desire, Lord God, for righteousness, a desire for holiness, my God, a desire to be consecrated and set apart, Lord God.
like to have everybody stand to their feet if you can, please. Everybody stand to your feet if you can. I'm going to ask you to show that scripture in a little while in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. Proverbs is probably one of the most powerful parts of the Bible that I love because it gives us wisdom and it speaks a lot about what we said right now. Put it up, Proverbs 10, 17. He who keeps instruction like this is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. I have a question. Are you going to be those that keep or are you going to be those who refuse and go astray? I pray with all my heart that every single person here, I'm nobody, but he's somebody. And this is his word I shared with you. All I did is show you what's going on in the world and then what the Bible says. And I beg you right now, take God for his word and say, God, I see it. I'm going to keep your word, Lord. I'm not going to refuse your correction. I don't want to go astray. Let's right now pray and let's ask God to fill us with, your Holy, with his Holy Spirit. What we need right now isn't intellectualism. It isn't religiosity. It isn't formality. I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for ministry. But if all you're doing is doing all sorts of ministry, but you're not being charged up spiritually, you're not gonna make it. We need every single day to be charged up with the Holy Spirit by way of asking him, fill me, Lord, praying and reading his holy word. Let's ask him right now to baptize us anew with his Holy Spirit, to fill us and to make us on fire. Father, we come before you right now, my God. We want revival, Lord God. God, we don't want apostasy, Lord God. We want revival, Lord God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Baptize people with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Fill them right now, my God. Power, my God. The power of the Holy Spirit so they can live victoriously, Lord God, so they can be witnesses and be salt and light to this dying world. In Jesus' name, my God. Thank you, my God. Thank you. Fill us right now. We desire, my God, your desire, your righteousness, your holiness, my God. Help us to fight the good fight, my God. To not give in, my God, but to stand for righteousness, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, my God. It's either going to be revival or else. It will be apostasy. It's our choice. I pray right now, we all say, hey God, it's revival. And I am going to discipline myself every single day to be charged up. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's go and close. And I'm going to have, um, I'm gonna have uh, my brother George Ponce to pray and um, to close this and seal this in prayer.